welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Today on the show, I am chatting with the adorable Grace Valentine. Grace is an author and a blogger, a podcast host of her own, who helps others navigate their own faith and life. And today we are talking about the struggle of isolation, how we tend to feel alone in our struggles and pain, and how to navigate trust issues and friendship and just this general feeling of, am I alone? Am I the only one? It's a really great conversation. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Grace, hey, welcome to the Crappy Gresham Podcast. I am so excited to be on here, Blake. Thank you so much for having me. So you are an author, you're a blogger, you're a speaker, you have a podcast of your own, and we've been chatting a ton before we started recording about how similar our passions are. So I have no doubt that we have plenty to talk about today, but before we get into it, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your book that comes out February of 2021, Is It Just Me? Yes. Well, Blake, just like you said, I believe we have the same kind of vibes going on here. And that's why I was so excited for this conversation and just had such a great feeling that the Lord was going to use it. But I'm 24 years old. I am from South Louisiana, which just like you are. (laughs) And I went to Baylor University. That was where I really kind of found my faith to be my own, but at the same time struggled and being in the Christian environment almost made me struggle more, which is kind of weird to think about because you're like, oh, I really chose the school because I'm like, I went to public high school. I want to go to a private school where they pray. And that's kind of where my faith became my own. But like, I just struggle with like a lot of college kids do and young adults just finding my worth and the college lifestyle. But then I started writing a lot during that time and just using that as like a love language with Jesus and how I connected and then sharing it with others. And so that's when I became a blogger and slowly the Lord just opened up other doors for me to write my first book. Am I enough? With a question mark. People always call it. I am enough. <laughs> am I enough? And then my own podcast, I'm tired. And now my second book, is it just me, which comes out in February, like you said, and it's kind of about that feeling of feeling isolated in your walk and feeling like your trials and everything you're dealing with makes you feel like you're so alone, not just spiritually, but also just like in community wise that you feel like you're the only one dealing with your crap. Mm -hmm. And so I live in Orlando now. I love sushi. I starting to like running, still sometimes hate (laughs) it, but I enjoy doing it for feel like a cool girl when I go on runs. But other than that, that's basically, I live with four girls in our twenties and it's just a fun, it feels like a sorty house, but in grown up world and it's great. Yeah. There's so much packed into, even if we just looked at the two books that you have, but there's so much more, your podcast and your speaking career and your blog, that the heart really is the same behind your ministry and behind crabby Christians, because I've talked a ton on the show and, and off the show about how I started this podcast because I started looking for 
podcast for female Christians and nothing, it felt like nothing scratched the surface. Nothing was talking about the real deal stuff, which is what we're all desperate for is to know that it isn't just me, that I'm not alone in struggling with X, Y, or Z. And so I love that you're, and I talk about this a ton. I feel like when I find similarly hearted people, it's like, you're doing it in the perfect expression of Christ in you, like the way that he created you to do it. And I'm doing it the same, but we get to kind of come up beside one another Mm -hmm. and run our races together and be like, yes, like, She's doing it too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I love what you said earlier about how you found your love and your calling for podcasting because you were looking for that. And that's something I relate to too. I remember being in high school and being 17. And I think a lot of us, even as we grow old, we still have that same insecure 17 year old inside of us. And I remember going to Barnes and Noble and going to the Christian lifestyle section and being like, I can't relate to any of this. And it doesn't mean that those books weren't great in leading people to Christ. It's just not something that I connected with. And I felt like such a hot mess that there was nothing out there that could connect with me. And that was also, you know, that was my sin speaking. That was me feeling alone. That was me feeling isolating myself and thinking, oh, I am so bad at this whole Christianity thing. I can't even relate to any book here that's trying to make me better. But the truth was, I think God just wanted me to create that book. And I felt him in that moment say, not literally say, but just be like, one day you're going to write something that will relate to girls on this section. Mm. And that's probably how you felt too when you were looking for this podcast and you first felt called to do that. So I think it's cool how the Lord just does that. And if you don't see it, like be it, you know, that's probably God calling you to step up in a way. Yes. I can't tell you how often I say that to people, whether it's in coaching situations or just in my like real life friendships, I say exactly what you just said. If you can't find it, make it. Mm. If you can't find it, make it. I think that that is how God calls, has called so many people into really beautiful ministries. Like I just got to talk to Gretchen Soffels the other day with well-watered women. And she, you know, echoes that sentiment of, I was looking for something, I couldn't find it. So I made it. Mm. And if I had to guess, some of your favorite people probably have that same story. And so to the listener, like, let that be an encouragement. If you find yourself searching for something and you can't find it, go make it, go be it, go do it. And it's so easy in those moments too, to be like, I'm so underqualified. Because I remember thinking when I was 17 and that's when like, the enemy comes in and it just makes you feel like you're inadequate, that it can't be you. Like it has to be someone better than you to tell people and to teach people. And the best teachers are learners. And so I remember being like, I'm not going to wait till I have this faith thing figured out because that'll probably never happen to write a blog or to talk about my Right. I realized that what I wanted when I was broken was someone to show me truth. And there's a quote that I love and it's be who you needed when you were younger. And I think, Mm -hmm. take that to my grave, put it on my grave. If I die, I don't know, whatever. But (laughs) also I love be who you needed when you were broken. And so that's very much become my ministry because I think I'll always still have be broken. I'm human for sin, but like I'm striving for better and I'm striving to leave in a way that leaves a legacy and also just brings other people to Jesus and reminds them that they're not alone. But I love that about Mm -hmm. your ministry. And I'm so thankful to be your cheering you on and like your sis and that and just have those vibes going on for us. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I feel the same exact way about you and your ministry. I want to talk about, is it just me? I, if I had to guess the people that are listening, that sentence is all they need and they resonate. They're like, oh yeah, I feel that I'm ready to read that book because we do 
I think that isolation is the en- one of the enemy's mm. favorite tools to keep us buried under our shame and our doubt and our fears and also to keep us from experiencing the fullness of community and the fullness of relationship. And so I know in the book you talk a ton. I mean, there's so many relevant topics for women. There's business and marriage and singleness and church hurt and the, you know, this idea of the perfect Christian. But I know one of the things that you honed in on was 10 truths about our past hurts. Mm. Now, I don't want to like give everything away, but like I want to talk about a couple of those things that you have discovered walking through hurt that kind of tend to be true about all of them. Yeah. I, I think just when we think about our past hurts, we've been taught to like build up trust issues. So a lot of the, even like mm-hmm. I almost called the book trust issues because A lot of times when we say, is it just me? It's because we are so insecure based on our hurt in the past. And it is stopping us from living with Jesus and finding that adventure in our future because we are just so entangled with trust issues. And I remember the whole point of the book is I was laughing to the song issues, like the ones like, I've got issues, you've got Uh And me and my friends in college were like, this is so us. We are just (laughs) girls with issues. And we were laughing like it brought us together to something so great about how we couldn't trust people we couldn't trust friendships all the time because we thought we were going to get burned or betrayed. We couldn't trust relationships. We couldn't trust churches. Whatever it was, we felt so entangled. And so I think just knowing that your past hurts are always God giving you wisdom. Like you don't have to trust someone again, but you do have to give them love and grace when you look back on that. Mm. And so just mm. because you've been hurt doesn't mean you have to trust that one person again, but you do have to trust other people again and give people the opportunity to love you well. And so that's mm-hmm. something I talk about a lot in that. And just the idea that your past hurts are in the past and you can't carry the baggage with you in your future unless you want your life to just suck. Because holding yeah. on to trust issues will only lead you away from Christ and the way from true love and friendships and relationships. Yes. And that's something that I've had to learn. And girls my age, you know, I'm 24. We all laugh about our trust issues, but it's not really something to laugh about because we're made to find full faith in Jesus Christ. And that requires trusting him. And a whole anchor verse for this book is even youth grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. Those soaring wings like eagles that walk and not grow faint. And that's in Isaiah 40, I think 30, 31, maybe. <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. But uh, <laughs> something like that. That sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. And it's like, but those who trust in the Lord. And so God's not surprised that we're walking and growing weary. God's not surprised that we have dealt with so many things in our past, but if we trust in the Lord who renew our strength, so all those times when we feel overwhelmed and betrayed, like we can get through that. We just have to trust in the Lord and get rid of our trust mm-hmm. issues. So past hurts are something I know I relate to. I feel like every time I'm with a friend, we always laugh about it, but just not bringing those past hurts to your future self or your present mm. expectations. That is so important. I have talked super openly about being in a really unhealthy, toxic relationship before my husband and I got together. And one of the hardest lessons I had to learn, one of the biggest pieces of baggage I had to put down was something that Jeremy would say to me, which was, I'm not him. Mm. You're making me pay a price for something I didn't do. You know, and that was past hurt and and not healing and continuing to kind of drag it along into a life that didn't require that boundary, didn't require that wall anymore. And I pulled a few of the truths about past hurts from, is it just me? These were kind of my favorite ones. Uh, time doesn't heal all wounds, but Jesus does. Oof. 
hard because you want it to go away with like that too. Like you yeah. put this thing, like you want that 17 year old insecure self who didn't have a homecoming date or something. And like, that's like so small, but it can overwhelm you. And like a metaphor I think I use also in that chapter too, is if you hold a water bottle up, you can hold it up for like a minute and you'd be fine. Cause it's not heavy, right? Like it's just a little bit of water. But if you try to hold that same water bottle up for a day or a week, like something so small can be so burdensome on you. And so mm-hmm. if you are trying to just hope that time will heal your wounds, it won't, it'll just burden you more if you aren't going to the one who can actually heal you in that moment. And so Great. that's something with that. Like, I'm like, I used to think if I just wait a couple years and never process my hurt and just push it away, like it'll bippity boppity boo and be done. And that's, that's, <laughs> how it works. I'm sure having a toxic relationship is something that you can understand in that, that I'm sorry. Are you, are you listening in on my counseling conversation? Because I'm I'm definitely not qualified to be a therapist. I love my therapist. (laughs) Oh no, same. I am not. And same, but that is a huge, like, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel the hurt. And so if I just pretend like it's not there, I'll move forward because time heals all wounds, but it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's this, you know, this picture, I have this picture in my mind of Jesus being like, give it to me. Let me have it. Let me carry it with you. Let me shoulder, you know, come beside you and, and, and hold it up and help you process it and help you heal it. And you're just standing there like a brat, like, nope, if I just Pretend like it's not there. I'll be fine. So exactly. And like, (laughs) if your arms are too busy holding your burdens, you're gonna miss out on embracing your savior. You know, it's just true. Like, if you are holding on to your past hurts and that guy who did you horribly wrong, and there's no doubting when you look back on your past that I can't be like, oh, that guy totally screwed me over. That friend was a horrible friend. That job was so toxic. But. I want to embrace my savior fully. And so therefore it doesn't mean like that they have to disappear, but I have to let it go and give it to someone else, you know, mm-hmm. so that I can embrace him and someone who could handle it, who can get, has the strength to help me through that. And when Jesus said like, mm-hmm. come as you are, like he meant it, you know, like there's, mm-hmm. there's, you don't have to be fixed in order to see Jesus. And so I think a lot of times we ask, is it just me? Is because we look at our past hurts and we're like, I can't be honest and truth can't come in your heart if lies are there, you know, like truth yeah. can't be in the same place as lies. Like they're two different things and lies will take up and the enemy will take up that space. And so you have to, in order, like release the lies you're believing, release the hurt mm-hmm. that you feel in order for Jesus to truly like be someone that you trust, but you can come mm-hmm. as you are too. Like you can come with all your burdens, all your baggage, all your mess that Christianity doesn't have to look like that one blogger you saw who like has never posted one bad thing about their life. Like that is, yeah. Christianity. That is just a resume and no one cares about your resume. So if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that I am a huge advocate for counseling. I'm super open about my personal mental health struggles and even more so how counseling has made such a massive impact. And so in the midst of some of the weirdest times, I am super excited to partner with Faithful Counseling to bring you affordable and accessible online Christian counseling. You get matched with your counselor within 24 hours and you can start talking. You can do texting. You can do calls. You can do video conferences. If you don't immediately jive with your counselor, you can switch and they price on a sliding scale. So it's 
always going to be affordable and I really just cannot sing their praises enough as well as the people that I have been able to connect with their services. I constantly get DMs from people just thanking me for telling them about it. So I wanted to tell you about it. You can get 10% off of your first month with Faithful Counseling by going to getfaithful.com slash crappy Christian and connect with a counselor and start getting the help that you need today. But the other truth about past hurts that I really loved was, and when I say I loved, I mean, I read it and went, hmm, I don't know if I agree with that. And then I read it again and I was like, I don't agree with that because I believe mm. this to be true about myself, but we aren't what someone did to us. We are what Jesus did for us. Mm. That uh, You're 24 years old. I'm 32. I'm old enough to be at least your babysitter. <laughs> and uh, that kind of knocked me on my butt a little bit because I think, you know, maybe not at face value, you don't read that and think that it's true. But if you're honest, I think it can begin to weave itself into your your conscious stream of thought that, well, if they did this to me, then there's something about myself that made myself worthy of that of that treatment mm-hmm. or of that hurt. Like I did something to manifest that happening. And the reality is, is that Jesus has like, he's even the playing field and he's, he's wiped all of that stuff away. And that's how, that's the truth. He really wants us to live in. Yeah. And just never giving someone else's sin, the power to name you or slow you down, you know, mm. uh, it doesn't mean that you don't need to like take a deep breath and like, cause there's so many like there's abuse and there's so many cruel things in this world, but their sin has no holdings on your faith and your identity. And that's something you can, whether it's some bully you had like growing up, whether you were even just abused in the most horrible way, like whatever someone has done to you, it is so important for you to have that confirmation and realize that Jesus has done something better and come so that I can feel loved no matter how horrible I've been treated, no matter how betrayed I've been, that his love does cast out all of the enemy's sins against me. And so that's something Mm -hmm. that I've had to realize too for little hurts and small hurts and big hurts. And it's been the one thing that has given me peace that, okay, that person left, but Jesus never left. You know, that church did this person wrong. Does that church judge that Christian did something really not nice that they definitely didn't hold up what love is, but Jesus did on the cross. And that's what matters. Amen. Amen. Oh, okay. We're preaching. Yeah. preaching today. <laughs> so one of the other things that you talk about in the book, kind of along the same, li- the same lines, is talking about church hurt, which you mm-hmm. just kind of alluded to, which if I'm being honest, for a lot of my life, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that churches hurt people, partially because I wasn't really necessarily that invested in church growing up. But now as I have conversations with fellow adults, this is a huge deal. It's a huge issue. And one of the questions that I had for you is why, why do you think it seems to be more damaging than the other kinds of hurt? Because you just expect more from, and your expectations for someone walking with Jesus, because you've heard of who Jesus was, is you put it on these people. And I even say like, because I worked at a church for a little bit and now I, I see, like I grew up and I had like the classic youth pastor sheet on his wife. Like, I don't know if you saw it, which like, obviously I'm not saying this out of gossip, but this is like national news, but Carl Lentz. Yeah. Like, yeah, just had to leave Hillsong because he cheated on his wife. And I'm like, that poor congregation. And I, I'm praying for him and his family. But like, 
that congregation, it just, it's such a hurtful feeling to see that. Or the Christian at the church who's just like the mean girl, the mean mom, whatever it is, it can be small, it can be big, it can be that you were abused by someone, it can be that someone was just mean to you in carpool one day, like, you just expect more from people in power of like, because you're like, that was God giving them this leadership to be in charge of people's spiritual faith. And you're kind of like, they're a professional Christian. Like they (laughs) are a pro at being a Christian. They're getting paid to be a Christian. Shouldn't they know Mm -hmm. better? But I'm a big believer of those people who are sitting, they feel so alone in those spots that that is what is leading them to the enemy and not the savior. It's that feeling of isolation once again in a different regard. But church hurt, can be so damaging. And I've seen people just from growing up and a youth pastor cheating his wife who just like never set foot back in church again because they had looked up to that person so much. And they're like, if he can't live it out, how can I ever live it out? But I think we have just become and we look at obedience as something of what we're missing out. And we look Mm -hmm. at people and we think obedience can't be done. We don't even trust that obedience is possible because we think obedience is boring. But if you start looking at obedience as not what I don't get to do, but of what God gives me in blessings instead Mm -hmm. and the adventure that comes with living with Jesus, then I think you cannot be afraid of that even when you watch people not be obedient to God who were in callings. And yeah, no. Church hurt is the worst. And I feel like I've just recently experienced some more. And it's annoying because you think like, even as a adult, I shouldn't have these high expectations for these Christians. But it just reminds me of how much the world needs Jesus because without Jesus being in the center of everyone's conversation, and if they feel that isolation, even for a little bit, then they will fail you. And that those people mm-hmm. were never meant to be your foundation. The church as a whole should be a reflection of Christ and the bride of Christ, Mm -hmm. but it was never meant to be your foundation for your faith. And so that's Mm -hmm. the hardest part for me is that you can love church. They can give you all the free stuff. You can get the cutest t-shirts, but don't allow a group of people to become the foundation for your faith. Allow scripture, the word of God, Jesus Christ himself, prayer to be what holds you and the community to be what surrounds you so that y'all can Mm -hmm. also be all founded on that together. But it yeah. sucks. And I've had so many people who've just been so burned by the church and just reminding them to trust again. Like, don't give up. Just because one church was not reflecting Christ doesn't mean they all won't. And that's the hardest part right. is to let people feel that love enough so that they can walk back in those doors and not feel wounded by their trust issues that a church did create in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and also failed expectations created. Yeah. But I think that exactly what you just ended with, that failed expectations, I think there is a, a pretty widespread issue of Christians, exactly what you said, building the foundation of their Christianity on other people instead mm-hmm. of on Jesus, whether that is Instagram influencers yeah. who, you know, proclaim the name of Christ, mega pastors, even, you know, just the pastor of your church. Over the last year, maybe two, we have watched some massive falls from grace, Mm. some huge names, some huge people turn their backs on churches or, you know, have to come forward with sin or abandon evangelical theology altogether. And it, I've watched it be devastating for people. And it's, you know, specifically for women in the Instagram sphere, Mm. I've watched it devastate them and rock them. And, you know, you read these comments on these posts of, I don't know what to do now. And I don't know what I believe anymore. And there is, there's so much responsibility to be had in the power that these people held, but Lord, let me never come to a place where an Instagram influencer's divorce rocks my own. 
you know, rocks my own marriage or my own walk with Christ. And I think that that equipping women to get in the word and and in challenging them to build build their foundation on Christ mm. is how you know, it's how we save people from experiencing that. Yeah. And I'll attest to that. And like, this is also my thing is never let, and I'm sure you relate to this, never let me be that person for you because and yeah. I, I have to always, I usually start my speaking engagements being like, Hey, college kids, like, you know what? I was the girl who would say, Jesus drink wine, but you know, Jesus didn't take 10 shots and do a keg stand, but I did like, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I try to be really honest about my past and that's so I'm like, you know what? I am the last person that's equipped and I will try to walk in obedience, but I am so far from being that perfect. I am not a professional Christian. I am not a perfect Christian. However, I am someone who loves Jesus and I want to point you to him. And I think mm-hmm. I always laugh to you on my Instagram lately. I've been losing followers if I post photos of myself and I'm like, this is like the most humbling thing ever. And I like was first like a little like upset, just a dumb 24 year old, like no one wants to see my face. And then I (laughs) felt like that was God just giving me something that was so beautiful. I was like, people want to see me write about Jesus and they don't want to see my face. And like, what a blessing that is for Mm. me to think about that is what they're following me for. And so just encouraging everyone, like, and you don't have to be like an influencer followers to do that, but just always be someone who points to Jesus because you're going to fail them too. But also be honest, have that accountability because it's a scary world out there. And if you feel that isolation and that no one can know your true sins, like even in my book, I have one chapter. I first called it the chapter I didn't want to write. So I was like, this is something that I am so ashamed of. And I have to be able to be honest about this because I know that there's a girl who's going to read my book who needs honest grace, not perfect grace, because that's Mm -hmm. not going to do anything good. And I think you really hit the the nail on the head with pointing people back to Jesus, that my favorite, you know, Instagram people who are Christians and are in ministry, their ministry isn't about them. It's mm. not self-centric. It doesn't revolve around them. They are constantly, they, you know, they, you're, you're sharing yourself. That's, that's kind of part of the gig, but it's not what it's about. It's about yeah. pointing you back to Jesus and equipping you to, Amen. to meet him. And, and like, that doesn't mean you can't ever post your life. Exactly. You should always have your hair looks good. You better be posting something cute so yeah. people can see. Like, I'm all for that. Like, girl, you do you. But I am someone who's like, what's the reasoning for it? Like, once again, what's your foundation? Like, are you sharing your family? Because you're like, I want people to relate and see that like, I have these adorable and I understand the issues of like raising children or me living with four girls and just having fun videos. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just my life, you know? Right. But as long as you're not making it to be a false image, yes. you're bearing true witness, you yes. know, then I think it's great. But it's just seeing people who've been hurt by the church hurts me because it's like, I know they had expectations that were so never going to be fulfilled and they were going to get hurt regardless. But I also hate that now they have trust issues mm-hmm. and the people who are living out their faith and Christians in the church today has to work to love and live in everyday life. Like there's people who have church issues because they, a lot of them do like bring the church to them. Like, Mm-hmm. When I mean, Jesus went to the well to reach women, Jesus went to the place, like the woman at the well was in shame, hiding from everyone. And he's like, you know, I'm going to her. And so I think that's how we as a church have to live today to help those people who have been hurt by the church. Amen. And I even have like, a cre- like another chapter in my book called when Christians say annoying things. Cause that was something that would like, you would hear someone say something annoying. And I, I think in my book, I talk about a girl who's saying yoga pants from the devil. And I was like, wow, my tushy has so much power. Like I did not. <laughs> No, my, my butt was that cute. Like, yeah, <laughs> they get a little in the hell. And I'm like, it's just so important. I think for the church itself as a group of people to live out that missional point in our everyday life, 
where people can feel loved and trust us Mm -hmm. after they've been so hurt in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That image, that perfect Christian facade is exhausting. It's exhausting. And now kind of on the other side of, I, I definitely had a season of really struggling with that, of seeing these people's lives play out on the internet and forgetting that it was a highlight reel and comparing, you know, my life to theirs and feeling like a crappy Christian, <laughs> which is, you know, kind of where this is where all born from. from. <laughs> but, you know, kind of, I feel like I've, I've come over a hill of that being a struggle of mine, but now I find mm. I look back on it and it just makes me sad. It makes me sad for both parties. It makes me sad for the women that feel the need to curate this really mm. perfect image of their lives and image of their inner lives. And then I'm, I'm sad for the people who are consuming it, thinking that it's real. Because you and I both have a minimal level of using hard air quotes, like internet fame, hard air quotes yeah, there. Hard air quotes. Hard air quotes. And I, I wonder if you feel the same, that I, I can see how it's easy to go that route, to just share the high mountaintop, perfectly, you know, cultivated moments, but that just doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. And wow. Like you're, I feel like we're friends just the way you talk and something, and this is something I, I think I even told my publicist, like, please let no one ask me about this chapter because I get so emotional talking about it, but now I want to talk about it. Um, but I, like in the chapter, I don't want to talk about, I had like an eating disorder in high school. And like, it's funny. Cause like you think now that I'm this Christian author, like that I'll never have a relapse or never struggle again. But that's something I have to work at daily. Cause it's like those insecurities just don't leave you. Now I'm sort of figuring out it's more of a mental health thing. It's not as much of a, just a one-time bippity boppity boo. It's gone thing. Yeah. But I'm like, I can't be the one who says she's struggling because I'm supposed to be everyone's favorite little Christian girl. And right. I'm like, that's like the lot. That's, that's what I set out against, you know? And so that's someone doesn't mean you have to share it immediately. doesn't mean you have to have a hard day and immediately go to Instagram and be like, ah, this is my struggle today. But it just means that you can be honest, like work to, through things. I think Beth Moore once said like pray in the closet before you pray on the stage mm-hmm. and like work through those things, but also always be honest about that Yeah, because we're all figuring life out. Well, and that's something I say a ton is I don't talk or write about things publicly that I have not processed and healed from privately. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. that, there's nothing worse than somebody like verbally vomiting all of their like very real, raw stuff onto the internet. But mm-hmm. I think that there's just a responsibility to not faking it. You know, mm-hmm. I, if I'm if I'm in a low point, I've made an agreement with myself that I am not going to show up on Instagram and happy unicorns and rainbows my way through it. I'm just not going to do that because it's not honest. And who benefits from that? I don't. The people that are following don't because they're it's it's inauthentic. Mm. And I don't even think everything needs to be on the internet. If you, as someone who has walked through an eating disorder, if you never wanted to talk about that publicly, you would have every right to that. Yeah. You know, no, it's not like anyone's owed that. No one's owed your details. Everyone's owed the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ being owed your, not owed your details, but given the details. Amen. The fact that if I can be honest with him and I can tell people, you know, I'm I'm not going to, and there's certain things I remember talking to a friend who's a close friend. I'm like, I'm not going to tell them details, but like, I do want to be honest that I still struggle so that they know that I can't write. Cause in my first book, I think I was like, 
wrote about it. I'm like, this was my past. Great. God worked so many great things. And now I'm like, <laughs> still, I'm 24. And that's something I want. Those insecurities still will bother me. But I can say, you know, I'm still working through those. God's good. But you, you don't need to know like any, that's like all you'll know. You know? Exactly. And God gets the details. A counselor gets the details. My friends get the details. And those are the people I trust. And like, once again, you don't have to give trust to everyone. I don't have mm-hmm. to give trust to a random girl on the internet because trust comes from wisdom and discernment. But love and truth comes from the cross. Amen. And so you can live in truth, but that doesn't mean you're living out your truth. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you can live in Jesus's truth, but that doesn't mean that you are vomiting your biggest, deepest, darkest secrets because trust is something that should be given to few. Amen. And even he's walked with 12. And he walked with 12 and then he had the three that were even closer. You know, how relatable. Yeah. I'm like, there's literally probably three people in these, this world. <laughs> Without, a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think that's, that's the picture we're supposed to have. And therefore I think as an influencer or in that world or just trying to be in that world, you must feel the need to share too much, but you got to work it out with Jesus mm-hmm. and you can be honest and be like, you know, I'm working through it. I'm a sinner. I'm struggling, but Jesus is the one who I go to, you know? Yeah. And uh, letting yeah. him guide that, you know, mm-hmm. letting him be the one I talk about that there is very little, like obviously little small day-to-day things I share without necessarily vetting it, but big impactful things, whether it's politics or life or whatever, it goes through like a few filters. You know, it goes through Jesus. It goes through my husband. It goes through my friends before it hits the internet. I need a husband so I can have yeah. a filter. <laughs> and maybe that's why I say to me, I need one more person. And he really, my friends and my husband yeah. really are my filter because I am an Enneagram 8. And I'm like, let's go. Like, you want to go? Let's go. And I'm a three. So sometimes people think yeah. I'm an eight. Even someone was reading like my book and they're like, you write like an eight. That's awesome. <laughs> like, oh. That's so funny. I was like, I'm honored. I, I know. Yeah, no, you have to be able to like curate. And I would say that even with conversations, like slow Amen. to speak is something you forget. Slow to speak is also slow to type now. <laughs> you yes. know, it's not just because the Bible says it one way doesn't mean he didn't translate it. And for mm-hmm. what we're dealing with now, that's something I think I'm like, is this going to stop me from being able to minister in the way that God wants me to? Mm-hmm. I think with that before I post, you know, and there's times when I haven't listened to that. And same. And when I don't, it is the worst feeling. It <laughs> is. And there's usually a little bit of a price to pay. There's an apology that has to be extended or even just going to God and being like, Ugh, I kind of popped that one off my bad. Yeah. And <sighs> I think and that's something I, think I also remember, like, I think we've, we try so much to be right that we forget to be kind or we speak our mind and not our faith, you know? Mm-hmm. And like our mind is so sinful. And so it's not always about speaking your mind. It's about speaking truth and speaking God's mm-hmm. love and speaking gentle words and kind words, but also true words, you know, mm-hmm. and standing up for what you believe in. And like, doesn't mean that speaking your faith and love won't also be something that is maybe controversial or right. something that flips people on their heads or something that can like confronts people because conviction can be that way. But at the same time, if you're speaking God's truth, the Holy Spirit will convict, not you, you know? Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, obviously we could just talk for hours <laughs> because I am... It's a three and eight going at it. <laughs> I know. I love it. Well, and we just have so much in common and, and have similar hearts just in different seasons of life. Yeah. But before we go, I want you to tell the listeners where they can find your new book, where they can listen to your podcast and where they can find you on the interwebs. 
Yes. My book will be available wherever books are sold February 9th, 2021. You can get more information at gracevalentine.org and the links will be there too. And you can figure it out more. That's also my blog. My Instagram is at the Grace Valentine, my Twitter at GraceV96. And yeah, I would love to connect. Shoot me a message if you're listening to this podcast and I'll try to message them back. But I'm so thankful for this. Yes. I loved it. This was such a great conversation, Grace. Thank you for taking the time to share with us. Yes. Thank you. From one crappy Christian to another. Amen. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.